That song was originally by Alanis Morissette, and then someone during this season of quarantine rewrote the entire song to use it to say thank you to people who desperately deserve to be thanked during this season. It's beautiful. Uh, this is a lemon. Uh, lemons, they, they taste sour. Uh, if you take a bite of one, your, your mouth would pucker up. I've often wondered about the first person to eat a lemon. If they were expecting a sweet taste, perhaps what they would experience when they bit into an orange. Uh, if it's just a lemon, there's nothing refreshing about it, okay? It's too sour. It's too tart. But if you add sugar and water, it becomes something delicious. Lemonade is by far one of the best examples of taking an unpleasant flavor and making it lovely. And that is what this series is about. And so this morning, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and some aspects of his life and see how that this played out with him. And then next week, we're going to look at my second favorite character in the Bible, Joseph. And this morning, we're going to be focusing in on the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And Philippi was an important city in the ancient world. It was northeastern Macedonia, and it was found right on the Ignatian Way, right the highway right into Rome, the capital of the world. And while writing this, Paul is isolated in a jail in Rome. So as we read parts of Paul's letter this morning, know that Paul too is in a place where he is physically isolated from everyone he knows and loves. And he too is unable to go to a market or anywhere. Paul was a man who had every reason not to be happy, but yet he was filled with joy. Over 18 times in this tiny little letter near the back of the, Old Te the New Testament, Paul talks about rejoicing and having joy. Look what he says in verse 12 of, of chapter 1. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul said that everything that has happened to him actually advanced the gospel. Not just some of the things that happened to him, not just the things that he liked that were happening to him. Paul said all things. That includes the fact that he is in prison. His prison time advanced the gospel. Now this part of the Bible was written in Greek, in the Greek language, and the word here for advance is prokope, and it means to drive forward. It's a beautiful picture of pioneers cutting through uncharted territory to make a way. There's always the right side. In the middle of darkness, Paul chooses to look at the bright side. Can we? What is the bright side of quarantine because of this coronavirus? Well, we're saving lives. We can focus in on that instead of, well, it's such a bummer. My family and I go on walks regularly, and there's this trail by our house, um, and we pass by lots of other people. And I've noticed our interactions lately have been different than they were prior to this uh, quarantine season. 
It's as if when we wave or when we say good morning to these strangers that we are connected. That because of this shared experience, there is something deeper going on than just a typical exchange. Have you noticed this too in your own lives? That this season of disconnection has revealed just how connected we really are to each other. There's the story of a wise and kind king who had one narrow road that led into a city. And he wanted to see if anyone in his kingdom was as kind as he was. And so he had his men put a a rather heavy and large stone in the middle of the road to block it. Then he hid in the bushes to see people's reactions to this unexpected roadblock. And all day long, people passed by back and forth, but nobody bothered to move it. They would just go around it, all the while cursing the king for allowing that the stone to be there. Finally, late in the day, an old and poor farmer came by, and he was on his way to the market to sell a few vegetables. And when he got to the stone, he laid down his load and began to move it. It took all of his strength, a good amount of time, but finally he moved it to the side of the road so that others would not be obstructed. He was very tired by then, so he sat down on the stone to rest and catch his breath. And as he sat there, he saw a purse that had been underneath the stone. He picked it up and opened it to see if he, who, could, who it belonged to. And as he did, he found 50 pieces of silver and a note that said that the money belonged to anyone who was kind enough to move the stone to, so that others may have a clear road. Because the farmer did what he knew he should do without griping and muttering, he was handsomely rewarded by the king. Did you know that when Christians do what we are supposed to do, without arguing or muttering, we too are rewarded by a king. And the reward is abundant life. The reward is your character. The reward is integrity. The reward is found in our connection to the true king. That's our reward. He doesn't promise you riches. He promises you himself. He'll never leave you. Paul continues in verse 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. The reference here to the palace guard is literally the Praetorian Guard. Okay? These were 10,000 hand-picked soldiers, first commissioned by Caesar Augustus, and they were st- strategically dispersed throughout the Roman Empire to keep the peace and to protect the emperor himself. And the chains that Paul refers to here in verse 14 were about 18 inches long. One was attached to the prisoner's arm and wrist, and then the other to the guard. And the chain wasn't removed as long as the prisoner was in custody. This made escape and privacy impossible. And the soldiers would be relieved every few hours, but they'd have these constant companions, Paul would, for several hours each day. Now, who's Paul going to talk to when he's stuck in chains? Oh, the guards. And what's Paul going to talk to them about? Jesus. Because he loves Jesus. Paul is saying that in the middle of this lemon, In the middle of being arrested in Rome and being chained to a soldier 24 hours a day, it has become clear to the entire Praetorian Guard and to everyone else that he's in chains for Christ. 
how we handle adversity testifies that the light of God is in our lives. In college, I was a waiter at a country club, and some of the banquets that I uh, served at were very, very nice, luxurious, and cost an immense amount of money. Uh, this one particular banquet uh, we were getting ready for, uh, we were setting up and, and getting all the glasses ready and the silverware in the nice right order and the plate and the dessert plate and the dessert fork and the salad fork and all this stuff. And as we're doing this, the bartender goes, hey, uh, just so you know that these guys are really big spenders, that the cheapest bottle of anything that we have for them is hundreds of dollars. And I was like, okay. So then the, the manager gets us all together and tells us how big of a deal this party was and that we needed to be on our best. And so as everyone starts to arrive, we start to serve shrimp cocktails. Now, I myself hate seafood. Can't stand it. Don't want to taste it. It's real bad. Um, but I've got these shrimp cocktails on the tray and they're in these fancy kind of martini glasses with the red sauce and the little shrimps hanging out. And, uh, and I'm, you know, pretty confident in my skills as a waiter. And so I'm walking around, I'm doing the one-handed wonder, you know, shrimp cocktail mist, and then going all the way around. And then as I'm walking past the main table, someone starts to scoot their chair back and I do this. And then it was all slow motion. It was just, whew, whew, whew. and the shrimp cocktail landed on the bare back of the, the woman who put on the whole event. And I'm mortified. And so she's kind of doing this, and she's got shrimp cocktail sauce all on the backside of her lower back. And I say, excuse me, miss. And she goes, I know. And I go, I'm sorry. And so I reach my hand down and grab the shrimp and start to scoop it back onto the tray. And one of the shrimp must have still been alive because as I reached, it dipped further into the abyss. And then the woman did a little shimmy like it was cold. And, and so I get the shrimp, I put it back, I run back to the kitchen, and I tell everybody in the kitchen, I just dumped shrimp cocktail sauce down the main lady's dress. Everyone just stares at me. And I repeat myself. I say, I just dumped shrimp cocktail sauce down the main lady's dress. And I'm panicking. My heart is beating fast. So I go get club soda and a towel, and I try and clean it up. And she was nice by the end. She even said that I was sweet. Now, Christians are like cocktails that waiters carry on a tray. We don't know what's inside until they get bumped. And then it's evident. That's true for us. Christians are like cocktails that waiters carry on a tray. We don't know what's inside of us until we get bumped, and then it's evident for everyone. It is through suffering and trial that we really know what's inside of us. Who are you when the waves are crashing down? In the last part of the letter to Philippians, Paul writes this, All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Oh, there are Christians in Caesar's household. How did there get to be Christians in Caesar's household? Well, Paul talked to the guards. The guards talked to others. And before you knew it, there was baptized believers all up in there, all over the place. 
You see, it wasn't Paul who was chained to the guards. It was the guards who were chained to Paul. He made lemonade out of some lemons. That's the remarkable part. Instead of seeing the soldier as an inconvenience, Paul looked at him as a captive audience. What a great example of turning lemons into lemonade. They couldn't get away. They were forced to listen to Paul, and Paul explained God's great love for them and how what they meant for evil with nailing Jesus to an old rugged cross, God used to proclaim victory in his love for humanity. Then those soldiers would take that message back to their barracks, repeat it to their comrades. And in the end, the whole palace guard heard about Christ. Paul's character and demeanor would influence them because Paul lived as a free man even while he was in chains. Prison couldn't defeat him. Chains couldn't bind him. Walls couldn't hinder him. His joy wasn't based on outward circumstances. I want that kind of joy. Jesus offers that kind of joy, the joyful life, the abundant life, the kind of joy that's not based on what happens to us, the kind of joy that is experienced even in a prison cell isolated in Rome. In this season, there is fear. There is worry. There is anxiety. But there can also be joy. An old man was asked what had robbed him of joy most in his lifetime. He said, things that never happened. Are you letting things that may never happen steal your joy today? Paul is presenting a pattern of perception that should characterize all of us as Christ followers. Paul has seemed to have developed a certain particular set of skills, okay, much like Liam Neeson would be taken. He has developed these, these, these particular set of skills, and his skills are seeing his circumstances in a certain way. He doesn't see it the way everyone else sees it. He is able to see God at work in his situation, to see the gospel advancing, and while others all see lemons, he's seeing lemonade. Our default is always to feel sorry for ourselves. Isn't this true? Something bad happens, man, bummer for me. I don't deserve this. Paul doesn't do that. No, Paul sees God on the move. And that changes his disposition. It changes his attitude. I read somewhere, and I believe this is true, that the human mind cannot think of two things at once. You cannot be thinking about the pain in your back all the while thinking about cinnamon rolls, which sound very delicious right now. In the same way, you cannot be thinking about your problems in the same moment you are contemplating. Paul knew this. He knew it theoretically, but he also knew it practically. As he sat chained to two Roman guards in his prison cell, his mind was filled with Christ. My hope is that God begins to help shift our perspective away from focusing in on ourselves and shifting upward to focus in on God. For thousands of years before Copernicus, people thought that the moon, the sun, the planets, 
all revolved around the earth. This was called the Ptolemaic system, okay? And if you could read Latin, it was a good system, much better than most of the systems that were proposed during those days. It accurately could, could, could foretell the hours of sunrise and sunset, and it could chart alternation of the stars in the heavens. But it was wrong because the earth is not the center of our solar system. Ptolemy's system would have some obvious defects, okay? Number one, it wasn't always accurate in the position of the planets. And so under the strain of trying to create answers to these anomalies, the system eventually broke. And two, it didn't allow for progress. New discoveries always went against it. It was only under the system of Copernicus and Newton's theory of gravity that we could be able to understand how to fly. <laughs> it is only under that system that flight beyond this earth is even possible. Even elevation uh, above the ground is possible. What am I trying to say? I'm, I'm trying to say this, that we live in a spiritual solar system that is, is just as fixed as the universe. Jesus is the center, and it all revolves around him. But some of us are living as though we're the center of the universe. And as far as you can see, your system has worked quite well. The system has served you fine over the years. But this person-centered solar system has some defects. Number one, it's not always accurate. Two, it doesn't always explain the way things are. And three, ultimately you feel like there's something missing. And the system of you being the center will not create the kind of life capable of flight. And God wants us to soar. But we don't soar when we're in the center. We soar when he's in the center. I suggest we stop living the universe revolves around us. That's not how it works. There is an old Jewish folklore about a small Jewish town in Russia. And in this town, there was a rabbi who disappears every Friday morning for several hours. His devoted disciples boast that during those hours, their rabbi goes to heaven and talks to God. A stranger moves into town, a skeptic, and none of this makes sense to him. He's skeptical about all of this, so he decides to check things out for himself. And so he hides and he watches the rabbi. And the rabbi gets up on that morning, says his prayers, and then puts on the clothes of a peasant. He grabs an axe, goes off into the woods, cuts some firewood, and when he, then he hauls the, all the wood to a shack on the outskirts of the village, and there an old woman and her sick son live. He leaves the firewood, enough for a week, and then sneaks back home. Having observed the rabbi's actions, the skeptic stays on to become one of his disciples. And then, when a newcomer comes into the village and someone says, on Friday morning, our rabbi ascends all the way to heaven, this former skeptic says, if not, higher. Yeah. How we live our lives when covered with lemons testifies to the love God has shown to all of us.
Have the previous 30 days been about you or been about God? Will the next 30 days be about you or will it be about God? And if you say God, then what are you going to do to bless other people? Because our love for people is always the litmus test for our love for God. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to make lemonade out of these lemons. God, some of us feel like we've been collecting these for a long time. Long before COVID-19, we feel like we just keep getting thrown this sour stuff in our lives. God, would you open up our eyes and our hearts to be able to see you make something beautiful out of that. So God, let us help others. Let us be a blessing. Let us ascend to heaven by taking care of the poor and the hurting and the sick and the suffering in our communities and in our world. God, let our wallets reflect your priorities for loving people. We need you, God. We love you. And we, you, we pray, God, for those who are dealing with so much. We pray, God, that you would work miracles this week and help them see how you make beautiful things out of the lemons of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church. We want to encourage you uh, to follow us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. That's the best way to stay connected to all the most up-to-date information on all things Prodigal. And we look forward to seeing you in week two of When Life Gives You Lemons. Peace in the Middle East.